Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. Twice within the Bible is Abraham called the friend of God. The first time is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7. It says, Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Again, in the book of James, in the New Testament, chapter 2, verse 23, It says, the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Now, Abraham was not the friend of God because he fully understood God, nor the fact that God explained everything to him. If you look a little deeper into the life of Abraham, then you will see that this man, by and large, had a walk of faith with God. The Lord would say to him, leave your land and go to the land that I will yet show you. God doesn't explain a whole lot what the journey will look like. He just says, leave and go and I will lead you. And then Abraham just packs it up and follows God. And in that journey, obviously, he gets to know the voice of God and he gets to understand the ways of God and the heart of God. In Genesis 22, God speaks to Abraham and says, take your son, Isaac, your only son, the son whom you love, and go to the mountain that I will yet show you and there go offer him as a burnt offering. In Genesis 22, Abraham does not argue with God. He doesn't ask uh, too many directions and explanations, and he just does not get into this tug-of-war debate with God. The Bible says the next morning, Abraham packs it up, and in faith, he sets out in this journey with God. So he was the friend of God. God was this man's companion probably because they were constantly on a journey together. You may say Abraham walked with God. He did not have a Bible at that time. He did not have Bible study. He did not have the internet. He did not have songs and liturgies. And he did not have even the commandments. He just had a God as a companion. And he had a journey in front of him that he lived out and walked out in faith. This message is at the heart of really a walk with God. For many of us in the modern era, it's as though we place God on the same level as the internet. The internet is there to provide information and explanation. And we assume that God, who is all-knowing, is like the internet, and all day long he just has to explain himself. 
But you will never be the friend of God as long as you just live in this tension with God where he is a kind of a, an internet resource and you can interrogate him and he always owes you an explanation. Often that does not beget friendship. What begets friendship is a journey. And in that journey, there is often mystery. And it's something that, as a spiritual man and woman, you have to come to terms with in your relationship with God. There are a lot of areas that, that are clear to us that we know the will of God. We understand God has explained himself. But there are also many, many areas in which, by and large, we still live in a mystery. And Abraham is a fantastic role model. If ever you have a chance, read in Genesis 12 and 13 and 14 and 15, etc., etc. Read in Genesis 22 how this man, even in the absence of explanation at times, really stayed the course in faith. And no wonder, as Abraham journeyed with God and walked with God, he had the reputation of being the friend of God. Beloved, are you walking with God in such a way that it's quite evident that you and God are on talking terms, walking terms, and on friendship terms? Can it be said of you? Can it be said of me that, aha, there goes a man, there goes a woman who is a friend of God? In short, when God deals with man, it's very precise, it's very emphatic, it's by way of an exclamation mark. Do not. Go. Stay. Yes. No. And you will see in your Christian life, you will wrestle with God, and He's not going to care to explain Himself a whole lot. He's just going to say, no. Yes. Come. Go, speak, quiet. And so I have come to know God as the emphatic speaking God. Let there be light. There was light. It's just the way it is with the Lord. There's not a lot of interpretation needed, a lot of explanation. When the Lord speaks in a clear and simple and precise way, it's not so we can argue with Him and be crybabies. But God, why? When he speaks, it's just, this is it. And he speaks in a short way, in a simple way, in a precise way to provoke you to faith. If God cares to explain himself in everything, then you and I live more out of reason versus faith. And somehow you will see that there are going to be times, maybe all of the time, that God will explain himself only later in your life. But right now, you need to be in faith. And I'm telling you, you've got to get used to this kind of Christian living because God is not going to like explain all the nine yards to you and then you go out and obey. Somehow he says to Abraham, leave. I'll show you where to go as you go. 
You can't steer a still-standing bicycle. Somehow, we have to walk it out. And your question is valid. You show me how to walk it out. I don't know. Time will show it to us how to walk it out. Right now, I'm in faith. Abraham, he didn't have entire, his entire life mapped out. He just took the first step in faith. And it's almost as though that God speaks to us in an emphatic way, and he wants an emphatic response. That response is faith. That response is obedience without interpretation. Again, I'm reminded of Abraham. The father speaks to him and says, Abraham, take your son, your only son, the one whom you love, that one, and go to the place that I will show you and there present him as an offering to me. In Genesis 22, the biblical narrative does not state that Abraham had to fast over the issue, excessively pray into the issue, spiritually war into the issue. He just got up and began to walk in raw obedience based upon a strong command, go and offer. And we see a man here. Now, I'm a father, and you will be in due time. If God asks such a task of you and I, would you and I not just think, Lord, explain yourself. Lord, just a little more detail can help right now. And somehow he doesn't. The details will come later. The interpretation, the explanation, all the clarity, it's coming but right now, obedience. And your obedience, as it were, will walk you straight to the explanation. It's almost as though obedience becomes the explanation. So we see in Abraham such a lifestyle. And that, by the way, is the lifestyle of the Spirit. We don't have the entire Christian life mapped out. We walk this out one day at a time. We walk it out in faith. We walk it out in faith. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling because we don't have all clarity, all knowledge. We know in part. We prophesy in part. I don't even know if I'll make it to tomorrow. That shakes me up. We work out this salvation through fear and trembling. And we hold on to one thing, faith. Again, not explanation, faith. Even Jesus hanging on that cross, for a moment there, he wants to go into this, Lord, explain yourself syndrome. He's hanging on that cross. He says, God, why have you forsaken me? He is trying to dialogue with God on that cross by way of, please, can you interpret all of this to me? Can you explain all of this? God, where are you in all of this? That just shows you how human Jesus was. And this is the human tendency, is clarity, explanation, interpretation. 
The biblical record does not indicate that the father even answered Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. It was quiet. So we believe then when he hung there between heaven and cross, he hung by faith, not by understanding. He hung there not because he had a clear interpretation and explanation. He hung there in obedience and in faith. You and I nowhere near come to a crucifixion and all we want is God to explain himself. Why? 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 And he doesn't. Because he needs you in faith. Somehow, this is the currency of God's economy. Now, faith obviously relates to your spirit. Faith is not something of the intellect. Reason belongs to the intellect. God speaks to the man, you shall not eat that tree. You're not going to live out of that dynamic. Trust me, you will die. Satan comes, yeah. Really? Of course, Satan appeals to reason. And Satan proceeds to interpret. God's hiding from you. He knows you'll be like him and know everything and know what God knows. You'll have the same intellectual capacity God has. You need to read there into Genesis, Satan trying to give interpretation. Explanation. And when he does that, very soon, if you bite into that question, very soon it becomes a pure lie. Because Satan starts off, did God really say? The woman bites into that poison, takes that deception, and the next time Satan speaks, you won't die. And the woman just believes him. But I want you to notice something here. Yes, God speaks. And faith is to stir within you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Turn to Romans 10 and look at verse 17. So then... Faith comes out of hearing and hearing out of the word of the Lord, the word of God. So you better believe God is a speaking God, emphatic, precise. And that speaking of God is to provoke faith, 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 without which no one can please God. Now, Satan also speak, but rather deceptively, did God really say? So what happens now, with Satan speaking, faith is not provoked. What is provoked in us It's a feeling like God is hiding something from me. What is provoked in me is a feeling like you're being cheated. You're being taken advantage of. 
It's like I'm missing out. When was the last time you missed out on something? That was not a happy feeling. God's hiding stuff from you so the woman goes, by golly, I'll figure this out. So instead of just faith, the flesh is provoked. The flesh. Faith is something that relates to your spirit. The Word of God speaks, and it stirs faith in you. But in what realm of your being is that faith stirred? In your spirit. Amen? Satan speaks trickery, deception, and that poison is coming to your mind to analyze God, reason it out, figure it out. And instead of faith in your spirit being stirred, your flesh is stirred. Your mind, your emotions, your will. Now, the next thing that happens in the flesh is that you become formulaic. That is mechanical. So what happens is, when you and I try to live this Christian life out of the self, out of the flesh, out of the mind, we try to live it out of our own imagination and what we think, and we've already discussed What a grave mistake that is. Self-imposed worship. The thing that we all instantly come up with is a formulaic, mechanical approach to God. And this is something that I want to challenge in your walk with God. See, this woman, she's there at that tree. I'll just go ahead and take this tree, then I'll be like God. And she activates in her flesh. And she does things her way, according to her interpretation. And she comes up with her approach and her religion and her, yeah, formula. And her formula very quickly becomes a mechanical something that is of the self versus a spiritual life in faith. Now, here is the history then of religion. Those of us who live out of the flesh and live out of the self and live out of our imagination, and live out of our own things we come up with, we are those who get caught up in this thing called religion. Those of us who live out of our spirit, and we live by faith in the Son of God, we are those who live in this thing we call relationship. Those of us who live out of our flesh now, 
And we pursue this Christian life out of the flesh and the practices, and we try to be so religious and formulaic, mechanical. We end up pursuing the things of good. Our whole obsession becomes avoiding the things of evil. And in the whole process, we become self righteous. This was the temptation, by the way, to the woman as well. Eat this fruit. Just take it. Then you'll be like God. You'll know everything the way God knows it. This is self-righteousness. Self-right. And what happens here is that when we become self-right, we don't really need God. Therefore, I'm independent. This is a life of independence. Distance from God. And my pursuit all day long is to pursue good and to avoid evil. And the more good I do, the more good I feel. Of course, the more evil I do, the worse I feel. Or maybe, maybe, maybe I just conquer the evil. Either way, I become self-righteous. It's a life in the flesh. Here, my obsession in faith in a relationship with God, is I'm wholly regulated by God. I'm absolutely dependent on the Lord. I've got nothing to boast in because the power is not of me. It's entirely of God. I'm under the, the sway of God, the move of God, the breath of God, the timing of God. I'm completely in faith. I don't need a lot of explanation here. I just obey. I'm completely dependent on the Lord. A life in absolute relationship with the Lord. So now this becomes the two contrasting ways we can live. We can live in the Spirit, live by the Spirit, live by the indwelling Lord. Like Paul said, no longer I, but Christ. Amen. Or we can live in the flesh, even good flesh religious flesh, flesh that can explain everything, flesh that knows everything, but still it's just flesh.